Thanks for listening to this podcast of Trending with Timory. If you haven't already subscribed, please catch us wherever you love to listen to your podcast, from the Relevant Radio app to Apple, YouTube, you name it, we are there. And if you listen on Apple Podcasts, please be sure to go and give us a five-star review to help other people discover the podcast. Anything you share in terms of episodes, whether it's texting it to a friend, posting on social media, helps to build up the kingdom for God to help confront the challenging issues we face as a culture, but with joy, with hope, and with an eternal perspective where our faith collides with everyday life, bringing eternal principles to help us live our life joyfully. So, what's trending? Bridging your Catholic faith with your everyday life. You're listening to Trending with Timory on Relevant Radio. Did anyone attend the Women's March this weekend? In other words, the summer of fury, summer of rage that is being pushed by the Women's March. Apparently, you know, I'm not sure if it was just the fact that the weather was warm, so they had to skip their nasty hats, but there were no nasty pink hats at the Women's March. What a relief. It was rather refreshing not to see all these nasty pink hats, but the Women's March is certainly going neutral with their green. It was all about green at the Women's March. Uh, and just to be clear, the Women's March was making it very, very, very clear. They're tired of cis males making decisions for them. I can't believe these are the words we're hearing in general in life. And just to be clear, if you don't know what a cis male is, that is a man who identifies with his biological sex. That's what a cis male is. And in case you didn't know, you're supposed to come out and make it really clear what you identify as uh, because you can't just assume that someone is male and female. You can't just assume their sexual orientation, their biological reality, and their emotional experience all adds up. So they're offended by cis men. That is men who identify as straight, biological males. They're sick of them making decisions for them, ignoring the fact that there are women on the Supreme Court as well. But again, they write that woman, Amy Comey Barrett, off. So the Women's March took to the streets five years later. Here are the Women's Marches. And what's interesting is they promised, they insisted that they were going to have thousands of people with them. But indeed, they only had hundreds. In fact, all the photos of the Women March are very narrow, making it quite evident they're trying to hide how small their crowd in the fury of rage, the summer of rage, was out in front of the White House between the rally and the walk. I'll talk about that more in a second because it was striking to me. I was watching the Women's March live over the weekend and then watched all the speeches after and what stood out to me most was how unhappy the people involved with the Women's March were in comparison to how happy pro-life people are. I've been to a lot of pro-life protests, pro-life rallies, pro-life events and activism, and I have never seen the level of angst, anxiety, anger, aggression that I've seen at things such as the Women's March. And so what does it say about the difference between the two movements? Why are we called and what challenges do we have as a pro-life movement to be that happy, inviting, and just vivacious movement? Well, we are, but let's keep it that way. We'll talk about that in just a moment. Really interesting and exciting news as Roe v. Wade has been overturned. What's happening in Kansas for the first time? I'll share with you a historic vote is about to take place in just about a month here. 
Also, it's the feast day of St. Benedict. That is the father of monasticism. And we'll talk a little bit about St. Benedict and what he had to say about helping us enter into our day-to-day tasks. Everyday life, the things we get done, the things we do at work, the things we do around the house, things we do with family. How do we enter into that with Christ and in prayer? He has some very, very practical advice that he gives in his rule given to the monks in the rule known as the rule by St. Benedict the Abbot. We'll unpack that and more during our weekly marriage hour, but I do have a question for you. What in the past has gotten in the way of your happiness and how has your Catholic faith helped to fix that? So what in the past or even now has gotten in the way of your happiness And how has your Catholic faith helped to be a remedy for that challenge? would love to hear from you. You can comment now live on my Instagram. Just follow me at Timmery, T-I-M-M-E-R-I-E. We're live there. You can also answer on social media or give me a call, 1-888-914-9149. It's our weekly happy hour today on Trending. Okay, so coming back to the Women's March, because I really want to talk about this. Yes, it's budding into our weekly happy hour, but I think that it is telling I was watching on Instagram Live the Women's March over the weekend, and I was just riveted sitting there watching as these women were so angry and mean and aggressive and their chants were just ugly and not hopeful or positive. There was nothing exciting or happy about the movement. It truly was, you know, their rally itself was called, they're calling everything the summer of rage and all of these things. And just some of the things that they had to say the whole time, um, one of them being silly, abortion on demand for people of all genders. Well, okay, well, people of all genders can't necessarily have babies. So why we should be advocating for abortion for them, I don't know. That just doesn't make sense. But it shows how unreasonable they are. They were screaming and chanting over and over again that they are ungovernable. Ungovernable. That no one can govern them. That they're blowing off the Supreme Court decision. They're blowing off anyone who says anything against the abortion narrative. They also, their speakers at the rally were yelling, stay nasty, encouraging these women to not just in the past wear their nasty hats when it's cold outside, but to be nasty in their behavior. In fact, many of the speakers commented saying things such as, it's past time to stop being polite. There were signs even saying the same thing. It's past time to stop being polite. This movement is calling for anger, aggression, I I just find it interesting, and I want to compare this to the pro-life movement in a moment, but the one thing I did take away from the Women's March is that one of the last speakers is calling on the president, President Biden, so-called Catholic, who has pushed very intensely this pro-abortion agenda, the pro-abortion movement, access and funding for abortion, for free abortion. The Women's March is calling on the president to declare a national health emergency. So they're saying, hey, we know that what the president can do is limited. However, we're asking him to push his limits in terms of what he can do to give women so-called access to abortion. Now, tomorrow here on Trending, I want to walk through some of the highly unreasonable but legitimate cultural arguments that the Women's March speakers were making and even some of the signs the Women's March had to say in favor of abortion. Because I think that a lot of these arguments are what 
some of the mainstream pro-abortion advocates really do think. One woman, in fact, one of the speakers of the Women's March yesterday, said something along the lines that abortion gave her life, and abortion is also what gave her children their life today. I want to walk through arguments like that because these are ideas that people say, you know, I wouldn't have a life. My kids wouldn't have the life they have now if I hadn't had access to abortion before. We need to be able to respond to these because this is what women have been told. That without access to abortion, there would be no future for them or no future for even a family that they might desire. So we'll walk through some of that tomorrow here on Trending. But to compare the aggression, the comments by the speakers and the movement at the Women's March to say, stay nasty, that it's past time uh, to stop being polite, this is such a stark contrast to the pro-life movement, who for the last 50 years, for the last 50 years, has peacefully and passionately, passionately, advocated for the life of children in the womb and for women, that abortion hurts women. And the pro-life movement has done so honestly, with integrity, and passionately. And this is a responsibility that we have to continue. Has everyone in the pro-life movement always been peaceful and always been articulate and always been happy? No. But the majority of the pro-life movement, if you've looked at the history, if you've looked at the, the main faces and the people who've spoken, the people who spend hours and weeks and time in front of the abortion clinic, sidewalk counseling, the families, if you've been to a walk for life, a march for life, this movement is happy and full of joy. All right, even think of those activists who have very passionately laid down their lives in pro-life activism, such as the work done through Operation Rescue, where until this was made illegal with various laws, that after Roe versus Wade, Operation Rescue, maybe you were someone who was involved in this, people would literally go and sit peacefully in front of the abortion clinics before they opened so that women couldn't go in and have their abortions. They were literally sitting there in front of the abortion clinic, Sometimes on the public sidewalk, sometimes on private property, knowing that they fully, well, most likely and often were arrested for this. But what they do is they would, by peacefully sitting in front of the abortion clinic, the abortion clinic couldn't open. Employees couldn't get access to the building. Uh, Women who were scheduled for abortions weren't able to make it in. This was done through peaceful protesting by sitting in front of an abortion clinic out of love out of charity. And I think that that is what speaks such volumes to me about this whole women's march of violent movement that we're seeing of the yelling, the summer of rage, as they say, stay nasty, that it's past time to stop being polite, uh, that we as pro-life individuals, and I really do challenge you, if you're maybe on the fence with this, notice the stark contrast, even in the face of 50 years of fe- seemingly losing, of having laws that nationally made it impossible to prevent abortion prior to viability, that had laws in this nation through a Supreme Court decision that basically trumped any state law that was passed to protect life. If a woman really wanted to have access to an abortion, and this is the pro-life movement has been on the losing side for years in terms of the law and in terms of the Supreme Court decision, and even you could say at times in terms of some of the culture. 
but they've stayed joyful. And so I think that this is the stark contrast. When you stand for a movement of truth, when you stand for what is right, I'm not saying easy, but what is right. When you stand on the side of God, God's commandment, thou shalt not kill. It makes a world of difference. And it's a reminder for us in the pro-life movement. To be faithful, to be prudent, and to be charitable. But at the same time, you can be all of that while still being bold, passionate, and persistent. The pro-life movement has won thousands upon thousands of people over because of the compassion, love, mercy, and outright joy in the vivaciousness of the pro-life movement. We have to keep that and preserve that. Even in the midst of difficult moments and failure, not being tempted to call names, to be cruel, but to be joyful and honest and true, and to continue to show that we are the women's movement. We are the movement of life, of joy, of happiness, of success, and of human flourishment, because that's the bottom line. And I think you see this so starkly as the Women's March was out there marching in Hong not thousands they may try to claim that but those photos and people who have been there have made it very clear they were not in the thousands it was a very small group of people and i do think that in part it's because of their nasty movement of stay nasty summer of rage it doesn't appeal to everyone they don't have the numbers because even if people agree with fighting for abortion they don't agree with how intense and cruel the women's march is trying to portray itself again it's a lesson for us in the pro-life movement you're listening to trending with timory here on relevant radio i'm really excited to unpack saint benedict and how saint benedict teaches us so much about living out our day-to-day life it's his feast day today so saint benedict pray for us we'll turn to him in his wisdom of what he has to say and the rule for life that he gave to his monks that he is the father of monasticism and it's been passed down through the centuries and still is so relevant today it's our weekly happy hour and i do have a question for you what's gotten in the way of your happiness and how has your catholic faith helped to heal that difficultness or helped to be a remedy for it whether something you're working through today or has been in the fast Pass. Lizette from Norwalk, California is calling. Lizette, I'd love to hear your thoughts on happiness, something that's impacted you in the past and how your Catholic faith has helped to heal that. Hi. Um, hi, Timurray. Good to be on the line with you. Uh, good question. Uh, so what I wanted to share was, um, you know, uh, the joy has been sucked out of me. I, I have a, a husband who has um, been battling with addiction and, um, uh, you know, having to enforce very, you know, uh, strong boundaries and and even being sad when you have to enforce those boundaries. Um, I, I have gotten deeper into my prayer life because of the helplessness that I've been going through, the feelings of helplessness. And um, I rediscovered joy, uh, specifically the joyful mysteries of the rosary. And I, I just, I, I just, you know, after several months and weeks of prayer, I, I found joy again during prayer and just being with, you know, Jesus and, and just knowing that it's okay to feel joy because sometimes, you know, when we're caught in our sufferings and we're offering it up, um, you know, you, you you forget to, to and trying to be holy, you know, I, I had forgotten that, you know, joy is, is, is definitely a fruit, you know, a spiritual fruit with, with my relationship with Jesus. So that's it. 
Lizette, Lizette, thank you so much for sharing that. And know of our prayers. I know anyone praying or with us right now will also be praying for you and for your husband's addiction. But you are such a testament to, you know, we tend to think all about happiness and that emotion that is so fleeting. You know, I can be happy one moment and sorrowful the next and stressed out the next. But what you just said, just hit the nail on the head that what's gotten in the way of your happiness, yes, has been the difficulty with your husband and addiction and that helplessness you experience and the need for those boundaries but through prayer especially the joyful mysteries you've rediscovered joy and you said that it's a spiritual fruit it's a fruit of the holy spirit and we need to hear that because what you said was so important that you can feel joy even in the midst of suffering and that speaks volumes to what our faith does that joy is a grace grace rooted in God and by the grace of God no matter what we're experiencing whether in the tragedy of home life and the tragedy of what's happening in the world that you can still experience that Lizette thank you so much for sharing and it also reminded me uh, a dear friend of our show here trending with Timur on relevant radio um, her husband recently passed, Kendra Tierney. Kendra Tierney, is we know her from, um, you've heard her on the show multiple times, uh, Catholic All Year. You can find her at Catholic All Year on social media, and she's known for liturgical living, you know, how to bring the feast days and the seasons of the liturgical year to life, whether it's celebrating St. Joseph's feast day or today, such as St. Benedict's. And her husband's battled cancer for the last 15, 16 years, and he passed away this weekend after uh, having been on hospice for about two days and he passed away uh, surrounded by his family. They had an open door of friends and family coming and visiting him and reading, you know, the eulogy and the writings of family members, just a testament to his faith and seeing the joy and peace that this family still has, even in the midst of tragedy. They have children from the ages of two years old to 20. And I asked for prayers for the Tierney family, but I also I'm so amazed and I'm so grateful that they've shared their journey with so many people because they have shown abounding joy even in the midst of the difficulties that they've experienced within their own home. And it's a lesson for all of us that, you know, whether God calling us at a different time at the end of our at the end of our earthly life, you know, each journey is different or, you know, to that difficult marriage and that we're called to still find him and choose him and be joyful in the midst of it. We are allowed, you know, God, that saying that God only allows us what we can handle. And he uses, yes, the difficult situations in life to draw the greatest amount of good and faithfulness out of us. But are we willing? And so I'd love to hear more stories like Lizette, like the Tierney families. And please pray for a Lizette and her family as well as the Tierney family. Uh, but the question I would love to hear from you, the number is 1-888-914-9149. What in the past has gotten in the way of your happiness and how has your Catholic faith helped you to remedy it? It's our weekly happy hour today on Trending. I'd love to hear from you. You can comment uh, on social media answering this question as well as on on Instagram. Just follow me at Timmery. That's T-I-M-M-E-R-I-E. I'll be back in just a moment. and We're going to continue to unpack this question. What in the past has gotten in the way of your happiness and how has your Catholic faith helped to remedy it? We'll also dive into St. Benedict today on his feast day, what he teaches us about living out our day-to-day tasks, whatever they might be.
What's Trending? Bridging your Catholic faith with your everyday life. You're listening to Trending with Timory on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. Welcome to our weekly happy hour here on Trending. It's great to be with you. I have a question I'd love to hear from you. What in the past has gotten in the way of your happiness, and how has your Catholic faith helped you to remedy it? We heard incredible testimony of Lizette talking about how she rediscovered joy even in the face of the helplessness of her husband going through addiction. I share with you the story and prayers for the family of Kendra Tierney, who is a dear friend here of Trending on Relevant Radio. Uh, She's known as uh, a Catholic all year on social media. Um, and Liturgical Living is a book that she wrote that is an incredible resource for bringing joy into our faith and into our homes with pa- practicing the feast days in fun and simple ways, especially with food. Um, her husband died this weekend after about a 15-year battle with cancer, and so we're asking for prayers for the family, but their testimony, their witness on social media through all of this, and even for those who knew them, has always been so profound, and there are people who knew knew that virtue of joy. It is only possible. That is only a supernatural joy that's possible through faith. It's a grace in the midst of anything we experience in the culture. And share your thoughts. I'd love to hear from you. When the past has gotten in the way of your happiness, how has your Catholic faith helped to remedy it? The number is 1-888-914-9149. Or you can share now on Instagram Live or social media. Follow me at Timory. That's T-I-M-M. E-R-I-E. Elijah Lang on Instagram said, sin confession are remedied by Eucharist. That is the key to daily joy. Isn't it like sin gets in the way of two things. One, us feeling moment to moment happiness. You know, maybe when we uh, sin might be something that's really pleasurable and we can enjoy it, but often our conscience kicks in. And our conscience is a good thing. Sometimes people think that Catholic guilt, Catholic conscience is a bad thing, but it's us trying to make right uh, what we've done, but make right with ourselves because sin impacts, it destroys other people, but it destroys us, the sinner. And so the Eucharist and confession are game changers for experiencing daily joy. There was a JAMA study done a few years ago, and it showed that, you know, in a culture where we're experiencing so much anxiety and depression and suicidality, there's one group of people that is not susceptible to this. And guess who it is? It was young women who were going to daily mass. That daily mass has been the life force of joy, of peace, of happiness for so many young women that they have not been susceptible to this depression, anxiety, and suicidality. I think that that speaks volumes and is an example for all, all of us to imitate. Maybe we can't make it to daily mass every single day. It's actually been a bit of a challenge for me since we moved um, it really kind of a challenge for me over the last couple months of going to mass every day. I used to have more access to mass times and all these different situations. And now it's like, okay, maybe I'm making it to a couple extra times a week to mass, you know, two or three times daily mass rather than going every single day. And I miss it. And I think that when we have this desire, we're not just missing the mass. We're missing that union with our Lord Jesus Christ. We're missing hearing the word of God preached to us and then unpacked to us in the homilies, pondering and meditating upon our Lord. These things really do shake up our lives in a very, very good way. And if you can go to daily mass, you're literally being united to our Lord Jesus Christ daily and receiving him. 
It's one of the greatest things you can do because that grace gives you great joy. You're listening to Trending with Timory here on Relevant Radio. Okay, I want to talk, okay, about St. Benedict. It's his feast day today, and he teaches us a lot about living our day-to-day lives and how to do that joyfully by being in union with God. But before we get to St. Benedict, some really, really exciting news that I wanted to share with you, and that is for the first time in the last 50 years since the Supreme Court decision of Roe versus Wade, because Roe v. Wade has been overturned and the decision of abortion returns to the states, we're going to see the, for the first time in the last 50 years that a state, the individuals, people like you and I, have the opportunity to vote on a law having to do with abortion. This is huge. On the Kansas state ballot next month coming up, on August 2nd, will be a vote. Now, this vote, and some people are already voting early, but this vote has to do with the Value Them Both Amendment. That's called the Value Them Both Amendment. And with a yes vote, what would happen is if the votes win in the yes, that would reverse a Kansas Supreme Court decision from 2019 that ruled claiming that the state constitution of Kansas protects a woman's right to abortion. So this amendment is the value them both amendment. And if the yes votes win, it would allow the Kansas state lawmakers to regulate and restrict abortion because underneath the current uh, Supreme Court of Kansas decision ruling in 2019, that gives a right to abortion. So they're hoping for a yes vote. It wouldn't outlaw abortion in Kansas, but what this would be is a historic vote. The first vote we will have seen where people get to have their voices heard on the issue of abortion. Now, it is fascinating to me because Kansas has been a state where they have very nearly been able at times to go from having a massive um, late-term abortion clinic with a notorious abortionist to having very, very, very limited access to abortion because just few people were providing them. So this is a moment in history that we should be watching. People are already able to start casting their votes early. The official vote will take place on August 2nd there in Kansas. But I prayerfully, and I hope you will prayerfully enter into this, that indeed the people of Kansas will have their voices heard. The pro-life movement will speak up, that we value them both, and that indeed there is no right to abortion for women in the Kansas state constitution. If that receives a yes vote, what will happen is that the Kansas state lawmakers will be able to regulate and restrict abortion. And that's good news. And that's why I want to share it during our weekly happy hour. Because the reality is, is that if we see these voices being heard, we're going to see this pro-life wave continue to erupt across the nation. And because of your faithfulness, because of your pro-life sacrifices, because of our pro-life Supreme Court, we were able to say Roe v. Wade overturned in a vote like this happen this summer. The hour of the question is this. It's our weekly happy hour. What has gotten in the way of your happiness and how has your Catholic faith helped you to remedy that? Botic Jocko on Instagram said, the fullness of the Catholic faith completes the circle for me. Very simple, clear-cut answer. Doesn't get into the struggle, but it's very clear that because of the fullness of the Catholic faith, you can endure everything. That's why if you're Catholic, I hope you live, breathe, and identify as Catholic, letting our Lord Jesus Christ permeate every dimension of your faith. 
not just your faith, your whole life. I hate it when people talk about, okay, this is my faith life and this is the rest of my life. No, your faith life is your entire life. We're body and soul and that soul is what makes up all of who we are, live, breathe, the decisions we make. A soul animates the body, and we need to allow God to function, move, and work within us. You're listening to Trending with Tim Murray here on Relevant Radio. It is the feast day of St. Benedict. St. Benedict is known as the father of Western monasticism. And St. Benedict, you may know him for a very uh, simple in very profound statement, uh, Ora et Labora, that's Latin for prayer at work. And it's been used and passed down through the centuries over the last 1500 years uh, to encourage specifically the monks, but all of us. I love to, you know, study monastic life because they have this rhythm throughout the day, the monks do, of prayer, a lot of prayer throughout the whole day, but then they have the work that they do to keep their monastery running. They have the various jobs they have responsibilities for. They have fitness and exercise. They have times of study. They have some of the most organized days of both prayer and work. And so St. Benedict had this saying, aura at labora, prayer at work, and it can speak volumes for us into how we should be functioning in our day-to-day lives, no matter what our state in life is, whether married, single, religious, priest, any of that. And this is given to us through St. Benedict and what's known as the rule that is part of what organizes the majority of monks today and how they function in their day-to-day lives. The rule was given in the 5th century by St. Benedict uh, because he was trying to implement a way through the monks for a group of Christians to live together and to thrive as Christians and as Christians who are both living and working together. And so... It's a guide for all of us and how we can go about our day-to-day tasks. And focusing for just a moment, I want to unpack some more of what St. Benedict says. But even that simple phrase, or at labor, letting this be part of our daily inspiration, it truly does bring, if we, as we unpack this in just a moment, balance, rhythm, and order to our lives. We live in a culture and a world of absolute chaos and disorder. We don't know what's male and female. Some people can't even say, define the word woman. Um, We have in many ways forgotten God. The younger generations, the vast majority of them have had little to no exposure or interest in God. And they're crying out. They're searching for something. You know, this is why things such as our weekly happy hour is so popular because people want to be happy. And so they're looking for those five easy fixes to discover the best version of yourself. But the saints get it right. And so when St. Benedict gives this motto of aura at labora, prayer and work, prayer at work, uh, it does guide in balancing, breathing rhythm and order to our lives. We tend to live rather disordered, chaotic lives with a lot of disruption and copious amounts of distraction 
like never before known in history with our means of instant communication and even just myself getting distracted earlier today of just trying to prep for the show and this text message came in and this call came in and oh look at that over there you know there's so many things just easily kind of run with whatever is distracting you at the moment and I know for me in particular you know social media and the phone can be so distracting even if I'm just going to look up something to research something and then next thing you know I got distracted looking at something else but saying Benedict in his rule for the monks uh, is forming and informing each of us and how to make those day-to-day movements. In fact, in his rule that he passes down as part of uh, the tradition and what's known as the rule for many of the monastic orders today is the rule by St. Benedict. And he says at one point, when you begin any good work, you should first of all make a most pressing appeal to Christ our Lord to bring it to perfection, that he who has honored us by counting us among his children may never be grieved by our evil deeds. So what St. Benedict is saying is that when you enter into any work, And I like to take this really within the context of transitioning into any new work because I find myself, especially being a mom and getting my work done while the baby's sleeping and going from cooking to cleaning to laundry to groceries to dinner, you know, there's a lot of task changing throughout the day. And every time I try to enter into something new, I love coming up on St. Benedict's Feast Day because it resets me to remember and to look back at the rule. But there's this piece from the rule that talks about how when you enter into any good work, the first thing you should do is to pressingly appeal to Christ our Lord to bring that work to perfection. So whether you're just starting your work for the day, whether you're just starting your prayer and your offering for the day, Uh, Maybe, you know, you're starting to make dinner. Maybe you're starting to read a book or entering into reading an article and you realize, really, I should be doing something else. It helps you to reset your priorities, to focus, uh, to work on kind of not being so distractible. Uh, And especially vocationally, understanding I'm not just doing this work to get it done and check another thing off of my checklist, but there's a purpose behind each thing. Whether it be making a meal for my family whether it be doing way too many loads of laundry because I washed it all but didn't fold it all for a little while and it's all piling up clean and just waiting for me to take care of it and then folding it all means carrying it up all over the house to put it away. You know, not seeing just, oh, this is this burden that I have to get, get done, but that you're seeing purpose in taking care of your family and loving them, and making sure they have clean clothes. As I've been reminded many times before, and I think especially moms need to hear this, and we all have our own tasks but and works, but you know, looking at the corporal works of mercy, remembering to clothe the naked is one of them, and clothing in taking pride, not being prideful, but taking pride and lovingly taking that responsibility to clothe and clear for your family rather than just always kind of shoving it off to the side and looking at it as a burden, instead of looking at it as a responsibility and an opportunity to love. I think that this is what St. Benedict's rule really does remind me of when I think of it because he says to use every new moment essentially to pressingly appeal to Christ to bring that specific act to perfection. God helps us to have the right perspective to help us enter into the proper context. 
And so the proper context for every good work is to enter into prayer. And and remember, even with starting our day, before entering into our day, maybe you say a morning offering and you pray first thing in the morning. You have, you know, that time, that 30 minutes, that 15 minutes, that five minutes. I usually do my morning prayer, you know, maybe an hour or so into my day. But I always try to just pause when I first get out of bed before I do anything else and kneel before the crucifix, making that prayer beginning the day. And then that prepares me as I'm running off to get the baby who just woke up or starting breakfast before my husband needs to leave. That I've made that brief moment of prayer and I'm going to sit down a little bit to make that morning offering. Everyone's morning is different. But that we're entering into prayer before each task while we're transitioning. Because any good thing comes from above it comes from god and those things that are messy that we make a mess of that are disordered disorganized very distracting they tend to be our own human frailties where we are not focused and not taking our lord with us and so it's a reminder to take our take ourselves out of the situation we tend to be so self-centered i think of the words of jeremiah in chapter 29 where he says abandon your plans and your entire being about abandon your plans and entire being to God when he says this for I know the plans I have for you says the Lord plans for welfare and not for evil to give you a future and a hope in other words God knows what he's doing we have to stop getting in the way by making it all about ourselves but instead having that eternal perspective. And that's what St. Benedict in today's feast day really does teach. He helps us to understand we will discover the fullness of human life when we discover that every action we enter into is meant to be an action of charity. That is union with God for the love of God. And that's why St. Benedict wrote his rule. It was meant for us Christians to enter into work, to enter into our day-to-day living with Christ at the heart of it. St. Benedict in the rule that was passed down for the monks that I think are so important for us in living our day-to-day life, no matter what vocation, whether you're single, married, male, female, he says, we must always serve him with the good things he has given us. That is our Lord Jesus Christ. And I think when he says this, it's a reminder for us to be good stewards of what we have, what we've been given. I think of the parables of the talents from Matthew 25 where we read about uh, the master who's leaving and he gives five, five talents to one servant, two talents to another, and one to the next. The, the one who receives five talents invests those talents and makes ten, uh, turns it into ten. The one with two turns it into four. The one with one talent just goes and buries it away, doesn't do anything with it. And it reminds me of when I was in high school. I remember uh, one of my friend's little brothers, he's really upset one day he'd gotten into trouble and he came to us oh gosh he's probably about four or five years old and he's weeping this little boy is crying his eyes out and he says we're saying what's wrong you know what's wrong with you And he said he's sniffling barely making out the words he says mom wants me to become a tree and we said what he said mom just wants me to be a tree and he's crying so we find out he had done something really naughty and he got in trouble and His mom tells him, Michael, I want you to bear good fruits. She was telling him to be virtuous, that what she wanted him to do was to come to something, that the actions he uh, portrays, the things that he does, that they're good actions. Well, he portrayed it as mom wants me to be a tree 
wants me to grow really tall like my dad and my brothers and to be perfectly still to not impact anyone and to grow big and, you know, kind of become big like all these bigger people, but to not do anything. And so he was thinking that what his mom was saying was just don't do anything. And sometimes I think when we receive correction or when we think about, you know, following a virtuous lifestyle, following the commandments of God, living a chaste lifestyle, that just means no, 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 no to everything in life. But instead, what Michael's mom was telling him was, okay, you did something really nice. Like what I want you to do in life, I want it to be good. I want you to equate to something. Jesus Christ curses the fig tree because a fig tree doesn't bear fruit. In the story of the parable of the talents in Matthew 25, there's a correction, there's an admonishment of the servant who takes that one coin from his master but then doesn't do anything with it and just hides it away and then gives it right back. We're called to do good with what we have and to make it grow even more. That's why St. Benedict says we must always serve him with the good things he has given us, recognizing that everything that we've received from God, we're still meant to give back to God. So I want to continue, come back continuing to unpack St. Benedict today on his feast day and the incredible guidance he gives us for just living our day-to-day lives with simplicity, with joy, and with absolute union with him. Do you struggle with laziness? Well, we'll talk a little bit about that with St. Benedict in just a moment here on Trending during our weekly happy hour. The question of the hour is, and I want to hear from you, what in the past has gotten in the way of your happiness and how has your Catholic faith helped you to remedy it? 1-888-914-9149. We're talking about what you're thinking about. You're listening to Trending with Timory on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. Welcome back to our weekly happy hour. Today on Trending, the question of the hour is this, and I'd love to hear from more of you. We've been discussing it all hour with various testimonies. What in the past has gotten in the way of your happiness? And how has your Catholic faith helped you to remedy it? Really important question, and it's one I think that we need to continue to unpack. So give me a call. I'd love to hear your story, 1-888-914-9149, or you can share your story now on Instagram. I'm there live. Just follow me at Timmery, T-I-M-M-E-R-I-E. I'd love to share your comment or your story, and also you can comment anywhere on social media. Again, just follow me at Timmery. Today is the feast day of St. Benedict, and while we're talking about living happily but all at the end of the day the goal is joyfully happiness is fleeting it's an emotion you can feel happy one moment giddy another sorrowful the next but joy is abiding and as uh, people have shared their testimonies today here in trending Lizette called in sharing about discovering joy and having that joy even in the midst of the difficulty of her husband's addiction and all the struggles that come with that That's what we're looking for. And St. Benedict, I really do believe, is one of those saints who helps us to see that through uniting Christ to everything we do throughout our day, that we can live that grace-filled, joy-filled life. And so St. Benedict and his rule, what's known as the rule, he's known as the father of Western monasticism. St. Benedict and the rule that was given down to all of his monks and continues down the rule down to many of the monastic orders today. He says, so we should, as long as 
at long last, rouse ourselves. He says, so at long last, rouse ourselves, prompted by the words of scripture. Now is the time for us to rise from sleep. He says, our eyes should be open to the God-given light and we should listen in wonderment to the message of the divine voice. So St. Benedict is encouraging us, wake up, rouse yourself to the words of sacred scripture where it literally says, now is the time for us to rise from sleep. Stop being sleepy. Stop being lazy. Our eyes should be open. Everyone's opening their eyes a little bit bigger right now, especially those who have maybe been squinting all day at work. And St. Benedict says we should listen in wonderment to the message of the divine voice. That is, awake and let all of your actions be inspired and animated by God. This really makes me think about how so many of us in our society struggle and battle laziness, slothfulness, you know, physical just laziness. It might be, you know, not getting up off of the couch. It might be not getting off of your butt and just staying on social media and spending hours every day. I mean, kids on average, you know, kids in middle school spend 8, 11, 12 hours a day on social media on average. But also we're battling acedia. Of course we're battling acedia. We're battling sloth. So, of course, we're battling acedia. What is acedia? Acedia is spiritual. Acedia is spiritual laziness. So, it's one thing to be slothful and exhausted and just getting up and moving and doing the things we need to do. Maybe, you know, you're being slothful and you need to exercise or slothful and you need uh, to clean your house or do the dishes or whatever it might be. But acedia is where we're being lazy in our spirit in our our practice of our faith, of our pursuit of truth, our pursuit of God. We need to shake out of it. The only person who can shake themselves out of it is you. And by the grace of God, we need to just pray for God's intercession. We need to be uh, receptacles that are willing and open and that will function according to God's will, that we find ourselves to be soil that is ready to grow something rather than soil that's just hard and dead and just full of rocks that are just weighing down and heavy. St. Benedict says, no one should follow what he considers to be good for himself, but rather what seems to be good for another. This is another statement from the rule of St. Benedict passed down through the centuries of monasticism. I think this is especially poignant in whatever vocation we're living in. That we need to stop considering what is good for me, what's going to make me comfortable, what is what am I most willing to do at this moment, what sounds the best for me to eat today, uh, what kind of job I want to work, you know, all of these things that we really put ourselves at the heart of, and rather what seems good for another, for others. So maybe you're a husband, you when you're making decisions, it's not just about you. And what sounds good or feels good, it's about the entire family. Same for a wife. Decisions we make are for the entire family. Me choosing not to fold my laundry for a whole week and just wash it. You know, okay, it's a very simple example. Yes, I was guilty of this this last week, okay? Um, this is an example. Like, it's just going to make it a little more difficult for everyone to find clothes. People are going to think they don't, things are dirty and... And, you know, it's a very simple thing, but because out of my laziness or, you know, overcommitting to other things and choosing other things that please me more than committing to those simple tasks to help clothe my family with clean clothes, you know, it's easy to choose yourself over 
the other things that could be going on, especially in mundane situations. So when we make little habits of constantly choosing ourselves, constantly choosing to eat that dessert as if it won't impact anyone. Next thing you know, we have a health issue. And next thing you know, you know, we're slowing down, we're grumpy, we're getting headaches, we're not sleeping well at night. The decisions we make impact others. It's not just about ourselves. And so St. Benedict in his rules reminding us of how to work and live with a full community and the orientation, the glory of God in mind to glorify him with our lives. St. Benedict says, let them put Christ before all else and may he lead us all to everlasting life. How do you put Christ before everything else in life? So that he can lead you to everlasting life? You have to keep your sight on him. I think of a story that has always stood out so profoundly to me of St. Mother Teresa that there was a reporter visiting her there in Calcutta. She's caring for all these ill people and it's the poorest of the poor, the sick, the dirty. And this reporter's cringing looking at the people she's touching and she's interacting with. And the reporter looks at Mother Teresa and asks, your mother, how do you do what you do? And she, this tiny little lady, this really short and frail little lady, grabs him by the arm very firmly and pulls him to cast his gaze and his attention upon a crucifix that's there. And she said, if I for one minute, for one moment, took my eyes off of God, I wouldn't be able to do anything that I do. St. Mother Teresa is telling us, if you want to put Christ before all else, if you want to do what is right, if you want to do things that are seemingly impossible, such as caring for the ill, the sick, the poor, the dirty, all of this, you have to keep your sight on Christ. How is this done? By living a sacramental life. By receiving our Lord Jesus Christ, yes, on Sundays. Preparing yourself to receive him on Sundays. And taking him with you all throughout your week living in a state of grace so that you're worthy to receive our Lord Jesus Christ. So that you're prepared to meet him whenever he may call you. That could be today, that could be tomorrow, that could be 25 or 50 years from now. But your soul is predisposed predisposed to meet him, that you have no mortal sin. So what does that mean? Going to confession regularly. At least once a month, as I say, if you're battling a sin every week, Every two weeks, if you're really struggling with something, and if you are in a state of mortal sin, go running to confession now. Call, make an appointment. You're not that important that Father's going to be thinking about you because you called him or wrote him an email and asked for a specific, a specific meeting with him just for your confession. Trust me, he has better things to think about. He's a priest. He's acting in persona Christi. It's our Lord Jesus Christ who's forgiving you your sins. That priest is there to function in persona Christi so that Jesus Christ can work and abide. Surround yourself throughout the day. How do you keep your side on Christ? With sacramentals. As St. Mother Teresa said, she knew exactly where to point the reporter. There was our Lord Jesus Christ on the Eucharist. Do you have, on the Eucharist, sorry, on the cross, do you have crucifixes, religious icons throughout your home? I know for me, this helps me to pray throughout the day when I'm having difficult moments. Oh, yes, turn to Our Lady's intercession. Kneel before the crucifix and pray. Ask for God's intercession. This is how you keep your sight on him. 
you also keep your sight on him. So one, living a sacramental life. Two, having those icons and sacramentals around you. But three, surround yourself with other people who are keeping their sight on Christ because they will talk about him and remind you of him and call you into this great mission of union with our Lord Jesus Christ. And that will make you happy. This is Timory from Trending with Timory. Tuesday, I'm going to debunk pro-abortion arguments that we heard at the Women's March this weekend. Also, we've been discussing how contraception and the snip-snip, vasectomies, all the sterilization is not the answer to decreased abortion access. I'm going to share with you the incredible testimony of one woman who wrote me this week talking about how sterilization impacted her life. So join me Tuesday, 6 p.m. Central on Relevant Radio or the Relevant Radio app.